This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919-1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time in Mon Europe, the end of Chacht Erechor. Agasuligum, a Makan Shah, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetoch, Ara, Igornamion, on Kestin Echol. Vientalam Aginom Griv, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. If you like the Indo Daily, you can follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today on the Indo Daily, how one checkered move has caused a scandal in the world of chess. Judy, this is the biggest scandal the game has seen in decades. 31-year-old Norwegian Magnus Carlsen is the current world chess champion. And last night, he explicitly accused 19-year-old American Hans Niemann of cheating in past games and lying about it. But the defeat of Norwegian Grandmaster Magnus Carlsen by American newcomer Hans Niemann has resulted in accusations of cheating. Magnus is the youngest number one ever. And no one can explain to you how he does what he does. It seems to come from another world, which is why he's become known as the Mozart of chess. I wanted to gain some rating. You know, I just wanted to get high rated so I could play stronger players. So I cheated in random games on chess.com. From vibrating beads to electronic spying, the conspiracy theories have now captured the imagination of the wider world. World is wondering, Magnus, what was the reason you uh, withdrew from my game? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I cannot particularly speak on uh, on uh, on that. But uh, you know, people can draw their own conclusion, and uh... they could literally tell me the most ridiculous thing. If they want me to strip fully naked. I'll do it. I don't care because I know I know that I'm clean, and uh, I'm here to win, and uh, that's going to be my goal regardless. I'm Fionn Shane, and today on the Indo Daily, I'm joined by Malcolm Payne, editor of Chess Magazine and chess correspondent for the Daily Telegraph to look at one of the most infamous chess games where not all is black and white. Malcolm, the, the normally austere world of chess has been rocked by controversy. Explain it to us. So the two men in, in the eye of the storm, in the eye of the chess storm, are the world champion Magnus Carlsen, who's a Norwegian. He's a very young, good-looking part-time model. He's modeled uh, model clothes for G-Star Raw. He's been on the catwalk. He's very friendly with lots of other celebs. You'll see him hanging out with Real Madrid or at NBA games. He's not, if you like, the conventional old-style image of a uh, of a, a gray-haired Russian grandmaster. He's completely different. He's a complete breath of, uh, breath of fresh air when he, came, when he came into the chess world. He's the main protagonist, if you like. He's the one who's made the accusations. The person who's being accused is a brash 19-year-old American grandmaster who kind of came out of nowhere over the last two and a half, three years. And in a sense, that's 
part of what's created the furore that he's gone from being just another strong junior player to being in the top 30 or 40 in the world. And he's done it only in a couple of years. And that kind of meteoric rise is very unusual. I should emphasize it's not unprecedented, but it's unusual. So explain this, the, the specific incident, then that has, has sparked the, the problem. Right. So there were some whisperings before this incident. But back in August, there was a very prestigious tournament held in uh, the U.S. state of Missouri in St. Louis, which is called the Singfield Cup. And Carlson was playing with the white pieces against Neiman. And the white pieces is a bit of an advantage in chess. It's, it's a bit like serving in tennis. You've got the first move. So you, you have, it, it, in that sense, the initiative in the game from the get-go. And Carlson didn't play particularly well. And after what we call the opening phase, he was probably standing a little bit worse in the game. And instead of trying to head for a draw, he decided he'd try and play on. And later on, he actually lost the game and Neiman played extremely well to win the game. I mean, you have to play very well to beat the world champion, of course. And Carlson's response to this was to actually withdraw from the tournament. And that was an unprecedented act. I cannot remember a world champion ever withdrawing from a top flight tournament. I mean, if you could say the equivalent might be Federer withdrawing from Wimbledon because he thought Hawkeye was dodgy or something like that. I mean, it's completely uh, off the scale dramatic, really, in, in chess terms. And he later published a tweet. He put out a tweet, which was <laughs> quoting Jose Mourinho. And when Jose Mourinho, I think it was 2020, I think when he was Tottenham manager, he was asked about a refereeing decision. He said, I prefer really not to, um, not to speak. If I speak, I am in, in big trouble. If I say anything, I will be in big trouble. And Magnus issued this tweet saying, I'm really sorry to withdraw from the tournament. I hope to come back someday. And then just putting this little video of Jose Mourinho, which, uh, which we all remember. And the implication of that, of course, was, well, there's something dodgy going on here. There was a complete outcry. All Carlson's results were annulled in that tournament. He lost quite a lot of prize money because he'd, he'd have been in for quite a lot of prize money. I think the tournament had $350,000 of prize money in it. And Neiman carried on playing, uh, didn't do exceptionally well after that, uh, but did all right. And then the chess world was plunged into turmoil because there'd been this accusation. So the accusation is basically that Neiman is cheating. And how is it alleged if I am sitting across the table from you with a chessboard between us, how, how can I cheat? Right. So this is, this is the question that most people wonder is, like, how is it actually possible to cheat at chess? So the fundamental thing about being able to cheat in chess is you have to take on board the idea, and this happened I suppose it began all 25 years ago, uh, 25 years ago when IBM's Deep Blue computer defeated Gary Kasparov, the, the greatest player of all time. This was suspense beyond anything the world of chess had ever known. Gary Kasparov, 34 years old, a cheerful and confident player throughout a dominating career, hovered over his pieces in the deciding game of a match with an implacable challenger. Deep Blue, a computer computers are now better than we are. Pretty much since 2005, 2008, a computer's been better than the best player in the world. And with the increase in computing power, you can now put a chess program on your phone, and that chess program 
is pretty much as strong as Magnus Carlsen. Or if you've got a, a PC at home, your chess program is way stronger than Magnus Carlsen. And all chess games are now all important chess games, obviously not the one that you and I might play at the pub, but all top-flight chess games are broadcast live. So all over the world, there are chess games being played on what we call sensory chess boards. And underneath the chess pieces, there's a little electromagnet, which goes connects to a circuit board underneath the board. It picks up where the piece has moved, and boom, that move appears on a chessboard on the internet. So if you had a way of receiving outside assistance, maybe through an earpiece or uh, some, some other method, somebody analyzing the game on the computer externally could send you a message and say, ooh, you want to play your knight to the G5 square. Now that's a really, really strong move. So if you were able to send a signal to a player in play from an external source, that could be extremely helpful. The other kind of method of cheating is by somebody on site. And here I draw a comparison with, if you recall, the scandal in um, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, which was the sort of a... <laughs> and the thing is that even someone at my level, and when I was at my peak, I was probably in about the world's top 500. Obviously, I'm not now. I'm, I'm too old and tired. But even someone at my level, if you tell me there's a brilliant move in the position, a really unusual, brilliant move, I'll find it. I just need to know it's there. And so in some circumstances, if somebody's in the room, they could give a prearranged signal to say to a player, you've got a great opportunity. And the third way of cheating is just, and this is has happened a few times, unfortunately, a few people have been caught in, in some celebrated cases, including one in Ireland. Uh, if a player has their telephone and they su can succeed in, in hiding the fact that they're using their telephone to analyze the game while it's going on, and people have been found doing that in the toilet, for example, then they can get their phone to tell them what the best move is. And that's the third kind of cheating. But that's absolutely not what happened in this case. And that's toilet gate, is, is that... That's toilet that, gate, that exactly. It's all very similar to Las Vegas card sharks cheating and roulette wheels and, and people with electronic devices and, and so on and so forth. It, it's that kind of thesis that people are finding ways to game the system, basically. Yeah, it's not dissimilar to that. It's getting uh, information from an external source that helps you decide on what, what move you should play. And what I would emphasize is that in these top-level tournaments, the players are under great scrutiny. I mean, they're filmed. There are, we call them arbiters, but they're effectively chess referees who are putting them through metal detectors before they go into the tournament hall. And they're being watched extremely carefully. So for Neiman to have actually cheated during this particular game in a high-level tournament would be exceptionally difficult. And that's what led to some of the more lurid suggestions of how he might be getting the moves, which you've probably seen. So in this case, you're talking about Elon Musk, uh, no, no stranger to controversy, suggesting that anal beads were being used. Uh, other, other people suggesting that there was leaking, surveillance, spying uh, going on, and that this was all, all feeding back to Neiman. Yes, I think uh, uh, Musk issued a tweet, something to the effect of look forward to all the cavity searches before chess games or something like that. <laughs> Carlson also later put out a statement, his most recent statement was not as cryptic as the first one with the Mourinho tweet. He literally just said, mate, I think you've been cheating. 
I believe that Neiman has cheated more and more recently than he has publicly admitted. His over-the-board progress has been unusual, and throughout our game in the Singfield Cup, I had the impression he wasn't tense or even fully concentrating on the game in critical positions while outplaying me as black in a way I think only a handful of players can do. And then he said, and even during my game against Neiman, he didn't even look tense or concentrated. That was very, very odd. Because as I said, it's very, very hard for us to conceive how he's actually doing this. So what is the evidence that he's been cheating in other games? Well, when I said all the games are broadcast, not only are they broadcast, they're also analyzed by computers in real time. And what that means is you get an amazing data set. You can literally, and every chess player, serious chess player does this after they play a game of chess, and it's one of the most depressing things you can imagine. You come back, you've just played what you think is a fantastic game, and you ask the computer what it thinks of it, and it says, well, you know, those moves weren't bad, but this particular move you played was ridiculous. Computers are actually analyzing all these games in real time. So you can compare the moves of any player with what the computer would play, and you get a, cor you get a percentage correlation. And if I get to 60% in one of my games, I'm really chuffed. Uh, the great Bobby Fischer used to run at about 75%. Magnus Carlsen has some games sometimes in the 70s, Gary Kasparov as well. But to get 100% is very rare. I mean, occasionally a player will play a perfect game, but it's very unusual. And it turns out that in the last couple of years, Neiman did play quite a few perfect games. And I think that's one of the things that has sparked Carlsen's uh, suspicions. What's Neiman's response to all of this then? So Neiman gave an interview two rounds after uh, Carlsen withdrew or one round after Carlsen withdrew and just said, well, I do admit that I've cheated in online games. I wanted to gain some rating. You know, I just wanted to get higher rated so I could play stronger players. So I cheated in random games on chess.com. Now, I was confronted. I confessed. And this is the single biggest mistake of my life. And I'm completely ashamed. And I'm telling the world because I do not want any misrepresentation. And I do not want rumors. I have never cheated in an over-the-board game. Other, when I was 12 years old, I have never, ever, ever, and I would never do that. That is the worst thing I could ever do, cheat in a tournament with prize money. Now, online games are played from the comfort of your own living room or study, and if you want to cheat in an online game, well, you just can, because you've just got your phone next to you or your computer that you're even playing on, and you can, you can activate a chess software program and, and find the best move. Cheating online is quite easy. He said, I did that when I was 12, and I did it when I was 16. And I'm sorry about that. I was young. I was foolish. It, it was the biggest mistake of my life. But I'm absolutely not cheating in serious games where there's big money at stake face-to-face. -face. You can't trash my reputation like this. Obviously, easier to, to cheat in an online game. But again, there, there are rules and regulations in place there too to prevent that. There absolutely are. And once again, it's all to do with computer scrutiny. So the, uh, the, for example, chess.com or Lee Chess, L-I Chess, they're always scrutinizing every game that's ever played automatically. And if a player seems to be playing either well above their rating, so if a player who's rated, should we just call, say, 1,500, which is sort of like a, an average club player, if they suddenly start playing like 2,500, which is grandmaster strength, the system will say, well, hang on a minute. This bloke's not a particularly great player, but he's suddenly playing like a grandmaster. There's something funny going on here. <laughs> and it will, it, it will often flag that. And sometimes uh, people are banned from the platforms. So 
And sometimes, in fact, the computer will even... I got a message not that long ago saying, in this game that you played against so-and-so, we think they were cheating. So although you lost, actually, we're giving you all the rating points that you should have got had you won. So there's, there's permanent scrutiny of online games going on all the time. And it's a sad fact, but lots of people do cheat in them. Uh, and a lot of people get banned. But this is, uh, you know, this is, I would say, while it's absolutely wrong, and you can read into Neiman's transgressions online what you will, it is totally different from cheating in a face-to-face game with hundreds of thousands of dollars at stake. One of the difficult things for people trying to enforce the rules, which is that a chess move is just a few bytes of data. You don't need to send a lot of information. It's literally you know, three characters, which is the, the chess piece and the square it's going to, which might be N for knight or K for king and then F6. What happened then when the two of them met up again? Very shortly after the end of the Singfield Cup, which Carlson had withdrawn from, there was a, a matchup in what's called the Meltwater Tour, which is this series of tournaments played online on a, a server called Chess24. And there's big money at stake in these. And Carlson played Neiman in the preliminary rounds of this tournament. And the game went, Neiman moved a pawn, Carlson moved a knight, Neiman moved another pawn, and Carlson disconnected and said, I'm not carrying on the game. Sorry, Alejandro, I just have to interrupt you uh, because the game started and Magnus has logged off. What has happened? Magnus has resigned. Magnus has resigned the game wow. against... Wow. Uh, <laughs> you, you look shocked, David. Yeah, I mean, as soon as we saw Magnus appear on the webcam, I thought, OK, we're in for a game. At least uh, this will help things blow over. Let's focus on the chess again. But what do we say now? And he's simply, as a matter of principle, refusing to play this guy. He thinks that he's cheated more than he's, than he's admitted, and he wants something done about it. And he will not play him ever again, I don't think. Meanwhile, Neiman is becoming the bet noir of the, of the chess world. He's, he's being banned from some tournaments. How do you see that, that playing out for him in terms of clearing his name as such? Yeah, I think this one's heading for the courts. I mean, I think the lawyers are rubbing their hands. He's been actually banned from chess.com, from from the online server, because chess.com have said, well, I know you admitted cheating when you were 12 and 16. We think you might have been cheating since then. And we've sent you the evidence. So he's banned from chess.com, but he's not banned from over-the-board face-to-face chess. And indeed, he's he's playing in the US Championships very soon. Uh, but what I think one of the issues is, though, that if some of the top players, Carlsen included, have decided they don't want to play him, then there's an effective boycott on him, which seems unfair in the absence of any proof. There's a Hollywood blockbuster coming here, really, isn't there, at, at, at some point. But is this particular controversy, is it just attracting the wrong type of attention to the game? I, I think the jury's out. It doesn't harm the game to get a lot more publicity because chess fights for media attention. I'm quite pleased that it's in the news. But at the same time, I'm worried about the integrity of the game. What I'm what I'm hopeful of is, though, that the governing body and our governing body does need a kick up the backside on this, uh, if you'll forgive that expression, given some of the allegations going on, that hopefully the governing body will, will actually get motivated to do something about this. And already people are starting to think of ways of, of trying to make sure that nobody can possibly cheat at, at the high level. And, and one simple thing that I think we'll find that will start to happen is that we'll simply delay the live broadcast of the game. So the game will be the games will be taking place in a room with no spectators, and you'll only see the moves 
15 minutes or half an hour after they've been played. So any attempt to provide outside assistance will be irrelevant because the game's moved on. And I think that would that would potentially fix it. Is there an argument here that, listen, underdog stories sometimes happen? Yeah, I, I, I think if you look at it, statistically speaking, his performances are not unprecedented. But I really am genuinely concerned about the number of 100% games that I was talking about, where his moves have, have been exactly those of the computer. That's unusual. And those games took place in America and in Iceland, where the games weren't in the, under the same scrutiny as these games in the Singfield Cup were. Uh, there's an opening, therefore, that if you don't have a, a, a consistent level of scrutiny, that there are certain locations where you can get away with things. I think that's right. I think that that's really what Carlson's saying in a way, that everything just needs to be tightened up everywhere. And I mean, the tournament, uh, the the Reykjavik Open tournament, which is one of the games, uh, one of the tournaments where one of those 100% games were played, uh, there were some anti-cheating measures in place. But I think one point that's actually really important to make is that the general assumption is in chess that people are not cheating. And they're not. There's not an epidemic here. It's, it's, we're talking about isolated instances, but nevertheless, it's important that we stamp it out completely. And I think that, while I'm certainly not, uh, I certainly can't say definitively that, that, that Neiman cheated, he did play a significantly larger number of incredibly brilliant games than you might expect. And that that probably needs looking into a little bit. And my thanks to Malcolm Payne for joining me today. I'm Fionn Sheen, and today's episode of the Indo-Daily was produced by Gareth Mulhall, researched by Tabitha Monaghan, with sound by John Smith. Archive clips from the St. Louis Chess Club, CBC News, 60 Minutes, CNN, Gotham Chess, Goodnight Chess and Independent.ie. If you enjoy the Indo-Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.